Would you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth, may the thoughts and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. So familiar. Uh, just like the story that we heard two weeks ago, like a, like a second Pentecost. I mean, a large crowd of people gathers. They listen intently as Peter, one of the disciples, tells them about Jesus. You know the message. That's what he just said to them. You know the message, the good news that comes through Jesus Christ, who's Lord of all. And as he speaks... The people looking on, they look on intently. We are witnesses. This is what Peter goes on to say. We're witnesses of everything that Jesus did, that they killed him, and that they killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead, and and everyone who believes in him will have the forgiveness of sins through his name. And it's this incredible scene. The people believe, the Holy Spirit descends, and it sounds really familiar, like the story we heard two weeks ago on Pentecost, but even though they speak different languages, these people, they're able to understand each other. And so Peter looks out and he says, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized. I mean, they've received the Holy Spirit just like we have, yet the surprising thing is that unlike Pentecost, there are all sorts of people who would stand in the way of these people being baptized. And the reason why is uh, rather simple. You see, unlike Pentecost, uh, Peter isn't preaching to a crowd of Jews. He's preaching to a crowd of Gentiles, and this probably doesn't sound like an earth-shattering sort of thing for people like us, uh, but for the earliest Christians, uh, for the first people who'd read the book of Acts, it's a big deal. I mean, you're telling me that that Gentiles, uh, not Jewish converts, but regular old garden variety Gentiles have just received. That's not possible uh, because everybody thought there were these nice, neat little boxes. These nice, neat little boxes that would tell you who's in and who's out. And yet this story, among many others uh, that we encounter in the Bible, paint a very different picture. The picture of a God who just doesn't seem to care all that much about these kind of boxes. You see, this is, uh, this is what I want to explore today. I want to explore uh, the kind of boxes that existed in Jesus' day. Two kinds of boxes, Jewish boxes and Gentile boxes. And then I want to explore a third group of people uh, who just don't really have a place that they belong. Now, they're called the Samaritans, and uh, though they worship the Lord, what we discover is that these people aren't Jewish. So it might make you wonder, well, what do you do with them? And, and even more than that, it might make you wonder, well, what does Jesus do with these people? And what does that say to us 2,000 years later when our boxes look really different? See, that's what I want to explore. And what we discover uh, is uh, something that cuts two ways. On the one hand, it's incredibly free because God meets you right where you're at. He loves you no matter what box you're in. Yet on the other hand, it's incredibly challenging uh, because God, God calls us to go and do likewise as we follow him. 
See, that brings us back uh, to that passage from, from Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 11. Peter's preaching to a group of Gentiles. The Holy Spirit descends, and even though they speak different languages, they're able to understand one another. And so Peter says, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized except a bunch of people would, and that's because he's not preaching to a group of Jews. He's preaching to a group of Gentiles. And the problem with Gentiles is that no one thought they were going to be heirs to the promise, a promise that's fulfilled in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and a promise that says whoever believes in him has their sins forgiven. You know, this might sound like a a Jewish problem for us today, uh, but it turns out in the first few decades uh, after the resurrection, it's a Christian problem too. Because a, a whole bunch of Christians are wondering, how do you access that promise? I mean, do you have to become... Jewish to believe in the Jewish Messiah? Do you have to read the Torah? Do you have to go to synagogue? Do you, do you have to observe the Sabbath? If you're a guy, do you have to get circumcised? And the more you think about it, the more you can understand why they'd ask this question. I mean, sure, all nations are going to be blessed through God's people. Abraham's family, that's what we heard about in our first reading. Uh, but they're going to be blessed Uh, Are they going to be blessed because they eventually come to believe in the Jewish Messiah because they're Jews? And isn't this what Jesus is talking about, after all, when he gives the Great Commission, just like uh, Joel mentioned? I mean, he tells to go and make disciples of all nations, sure, uh, but he tells them to do this by baptizing people and also teaching them, teaching them what it means to be God's people. That's why this reading is uh, so important, because the first Christians are Jewish Christians, and they live in a world with two boxes, a Jewish box and a Gentile box. And if you're in the Jewish box, you're in, and if you're in the Gentile box, you're not. And while Jesus' ministry and, and a whole bunch of hindsight on our part makes this really obvious, it's not obvious to these first Christians. I mean, we know that all you have to do is believe in Jesus, uh, that, that that's all it takes, uh, but they're still wondering if you have to become Jewish to have faith in Jesus. And the good news that we discover is that, uh, that the boxes aren't the important part. You are. I mean, this is why God sends his son. This is why he dies on a cross. This is why he rises again. And and Torah, synagogue, even circumcising, they exist to point you to Jesus. And so uh, they may come to take on a different meeting. They may come to matter more for you. They may not. Uh, But this, this is the important thing. They don't exist to separate you from God. And so just to recap, uh, there are two boxes in Jesus' day, uh, a Jewish box and a Gentile box, and the whole world gets divided into one of these boxes, and this brings us to the second reading, uh, the gospel reading uh, that you just heard. It's still relatively early in Jesus' ministry, and he's traveling from Jerusalem in the south, Jerusalem where he kicks a bunch of money changers out of the temple, uh, Jerusalem where he meets a man named Nicodemus, to Galilee in the north. And between Jerusalem and Galilee is a place called Samaria. And, uh, and what you need to know about Samaria is that in the world it gets divided into two boxes, a Jewish box and a Gentile box. Uh, the people living in Samaria don't really fit. 
Now, if push comes to shove, um, we had to put these people into a box, we would put them into the Gentile box, and that's because uh, the word Gentile comes from Greek and Hebrew words that mean other nations. And uh, the Samaritans, who live in Samaria, belong to another nation. But when you back out a bit, things get a little bit more complicated. And they get a little bit more complicated really fast. And that's because uh, even though uh, Samaria is another nation, uh, the people living in Samaria worship the God of Abraham. And they consider the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, they consider the first five books of the Bible to be their scriptures. And every Saturday, they observe the Sabbath, and their men... Their men get circumcised just like God commanded. And so when you zoom out a bit, things get a little bit more complicated. And the even more important detail is this. Of all the Gentiles that the Jews hate, they hate the Samaritans the most. And that's because from their perspective, the Samaritans, they're just pretending to be God's people. I mean, God's people trace their lineage through the southern kingdom, not the northern kingdom. God's people read the whole Old Testament, not just the first five books. God's people, uh, most importantly of all, worship on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, where God commanded uh, that the temple be built, not on another temple some 30 miles north of Jerusalem. And their division goes back 700 years. The Assyrian Empire conquers the northern nations and And the Samaritans, the people living in Samaria, are those who are left behind. We're told that they intermarry with the Assyrians. By the time we get to Jesus' day, it just doesn't look like that's really the problem. Instead, the problem is the people living in Samaria, they just don't worship in the right place. A place that, that the Jews believe God promised to be. You see, all of this is a context for when Jesus... Uh, shows up on the scene in John chapter 4. He visits Samaria. He doesn't just visit Samaria. He he spends time with a Samaritan woman, a Samaritan woman who's been married and divorced five times and is now living with a man who she's not married to. And this is just another way of saying that if uh, if you don't know any of this stuff about the Samaritans uh, and you think that this woman fits in among her people, she doesn't. She's an outcast. She doesn't have a place to fit, just like her people don't really have a place to fit. And yet Jesus spends time with her, and he doesn't just spend time with her. He spends time with everyone else in her village for the next two days. And and when he's about to leave, the people in this village make this shocking confession. They say, we know that this man, Jesus, really is the Savior of the world. In a world with two boxes, a Jewish box and a Gentile box, and uh, in a world where the Samaritans don't really seem to fit in either of them, if you're one of Jesus' disciples, if you're one of the people who hear John's gospel for the very first time, it really makes you wonder, what do you do with this? As many of you know, uh, two weeks ago we began a uh, six-week preaching series uh, with nine other churches here in St. Louis. And uh, and the name of this series, and the name of the first sermon that I preached in this series, uh, is called Different uh, Together, and its uh, hope, as the name suggests, is to highlight how even though we're different, 
uh, in a variety of ways. We really are together as God's people here in St. Louis, just like we're together with God's people all around the world. Last week, we spent some time talking about all the things uh, that we have in common, and this week, we explore one of the ways that our differences can get in the way of the unity we shared. And for me, that, that takes me to these two passages. And uh, the first thing that I want you to notice is what the good news of Jesus Christ does for all of us. You see, for us, uh, just like the first followers of Jesus, we live in a world uh, that likes to put people into boxes. And we live in a world uh, that likes to say, it's only after I know what box you're in that I'll be able to tell you if we can get along. Maybe you've had an experience like this. You know, you're talking to a friend or a coworker, someone at school, uh, another parent, and, and someone discovers this little detail about you. Maybe it's uh, where you stand on a certain matter of politics. You know, maybe it's uh, where you go to church. Maybe it's the fact that you go to church. Maybe it seems innocuous, but whatever it is, once it's discovered, once the, the box that you stand in is found out, it means that you can't get along. See, this is the kind of world that we live in, and yet it's not the kind of God that we have. Because, because our relationship with God isn't dependent on the kind of box that we're standing in. I mean, our boxes are labeled broken. Our boxes are labeled hurting. Our boxes are labeled sinful. And yet Jesus shows us that the box we're standing in isn't the important part. We are. And that's why Gentiles are welcome. That's why Jesus spends time with the Samaritans. And and that's why God sends his son into the world to die and to rise again. And that's not to say that what we think or what we believe or where we stand don't matter. But it is to say that our relationship with God, and even more importantly than that, God's relationship with us comes before these things, never after them. That brings us uh, to the second thing uh, that these readings uh, say to us, and, uh, and that's the fact that this is how Jesus calls us to look at others as we follow him. I don't know about you, but I find this really challenging. And I find it really challenging not to put people into other boxes, and I find it really challenging to not let those boxes impact uh, the way that I interact with others. And the people that I have the hardest time with uh, often aren't the people who are most different from me. Instead, it's the people who are really close, but not quite the same. I don't know if this sounds crazy to you, but it makes me think about the Jews in Jesus' day. I mean, of all the Gentiles that they hated the most, they hated the Samaritans, the people who are most like them. And in the context of our series, it makes me think about uh, the way we talk about other Christians, Christians uh, who believe in Jesus, Christians who are baptized, Christians who are sometimes even other Lutherans and belong to our denomination, yet in our less charitable moments, it's easy to give the impression that they don't belong And this does two things for me. First, it reminds me how important it is to recognize the unity we share when we share it. I mean, this is why we're spending six weeks learning about all these other churches. This is why we're going to spend uh, a few minutes here learning about two other churches here in St. Louis, because even though we're different, we belong to the body of Christ together. 
That's why we read the creed. We're going to do that immediately after the sermon, uh, because even though there are things that divide us, Christ brings us together. And second, it, it reminds me just how much we need Jesus. And we may believe, uh, we may be baptized, we may even be Lutheran, but we still need God's grace. We still need God's forgiveness. And the good news is that this is exactly what Jesus promises for you, for me, for everyone who believes in him. Because his sacrifice means that it, it no longer matters uh, where you worship, on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem or, or 30 miles north on Mount Gerizim in Samaria. It no longer matters what box you're standing in because the boxes aren't the important part. You are. Jesus meets you, and he loves you right where you're at. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I'm going to invite you to rise.